It's Thursday night and the feeling's right as the Chicago Bears come out with a big, big third win of their season, knocking the Panthers down to one and whatever the rest of their games are. Nick and I are going to take you through everything you need to know about the latest Chicago Bears victory on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, along with my co-host, Nick Whalen, right here on YouTube. And man, Nick, what a game, right? What what an electric, I can't even get some of this out. That was a heck of a football game, in a sense. They brought on Travis Kelsey to talk about the Eagles for nearly the entire second quarter. Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. Thank you. It was, that was a viewing experience. That's for sure. But it's a viewing experience that ends in a big bears dub. Got to be excited about it, right? Um, yeah, basically I think, uh, bears won, uh, super bowl. Here we come come. because we have momentum and listen, people, you, you never know where momentum is going to go. So, uh, I mean, clearly, I don't believe that. Um, I mean, that that game was hideous. It it so at one point it looked like who wanted to lose the game more seriously because wait, third and nineteen, draw play, first and thirty, or I'm sorry, just just shank the punt. Then for that, oh hold on, we're too close to winning the game. Penalty, penalty, first and thirty, draw. Like it was. Terrible football. Final final two minutes. Pressure finally on Chicago. Let's yeah. take a timeout, kill our momentum, and then kick a 59-yard field goal when we don't pick up a yard. I mean, there were some baffling coaching decisions, I thought, on both sides of the ball. A lot I thought, of those. I thought it was hilarious. Hilarious. I mean, to the point where we're just used to it at this point, right? Seeing Matt Eberflus score a touchdown, you're at 15 to 10, and we finally hit the most just agreed upon two point conversion, and, and we're not going to do it. And granted, granted, of all the teams to be up, quote unquote, two field goals on, Carolina's probably your best bet. So if, if they were thinking about it, I mean, <laughs> And can, can, can you imagine to win had they can not you imagine Robert, how you would have felt if because I mean the Bears would have bared themselves out of this one the Bears don't get the two point it's 15 to 13 I know I was thinking final drive that. was going to, it would just be like bullets sweating the arrow would have been kicking to win which is something that's for sure and I mean it doesn't help anything that like when you talk about the quarterback conversation gosh Nick I mean I'm going to read off the two stat lines, and I need you to pick which one is Bajans, okay? So one quarterback went 21 for 38, 185 yards for a 4.9 average, and then he had a quarterback rating of 68.4. The other one went 20 for 33 with 162 yards, also a 4.9-yard average, and that quarterback had a quarterback of 73, or a quarterback rating of 73. Can you guess? Whether option A or option B was Bajit, or are they too similar? I, I'm going to say B because I felt like Bryce Young had a better completion percentage because there was like 84 million five-yard basically hank routes or or hitch routes to just to his right, like constant, like Hayden Hurst, 
Thielen, like whomever. B, I was like, B is Bryce Young or B is Tyson Bajan. Uh, uh, B is B is Bryce Young. A is Tyson Bajan. B is Bajan. Oh, A wow. is Bryce Young. He, he had a better quarterback rating. Yes, he did. And Bryce took three sacks to Bajan's none. And I mean, that is pretty. St- I mean, personally, I thought that was the like that's emblematic. I'm so glad you got that wrong. You have no idea how happy <laughs> I am because I really did think both quarterbacks, both quarterbacks would want this one back. If you t- even even Bajan, who wins the game, I thought lovingly, I say this, he's a UDFA. He has accomplished so much in the NFL. The amount of UDFAs that have won two starts ever is like, it's got to be low. Like, I may actually go look this up over the weekend or something because there cannot be many. But oh my gosh, Nick. Oh my gosh. He's the only reason we were losing in the first half. Like, the Bears offense had some gas, some gas, but we couldn't complete a pass. We couldn't play on time. Bajan clearly was nervous, like really, really nervous or yeah. something. I mean, maybe it was a bad game plan. Well, Go ahead. Well, here, here's the weird thing. So there were stretches where it looked like his worst football that he's played. And then, like, again, because of coaching decisions. So then, like... I, I almost tweeted this out, but I was like, uh, sometimes I'm like, how snarky do I want to get, you know, the bears have a bunch of timeouts and only a little bit of time before the first half. And I'm like, they're clearly just going to kneel or just run this out or whatever. Right. They go shotgun and they trust Bajan and he throws down the field and drives us down the field. Doesn't make sense to me. That was great. End of the game here. Same thing. I was like, okay, they're going to run it again and play super conservative. They let him throw into coverage and he converts. Totally. I'm like, What's going on? Everything I'm talking about when I talk about a rough, rough start is up until that two-minute drive where we saw, I thought, some of the worst footwork we've seen from Bajant so far. We saw really awful timing. Like, I th- I thought Kirk Herbstreet, who, you know, he he's hit and miss. Sometimes it comes across like he does no preparation work right, at all like, uh, other than what the coaches kind of, like, tell him before the game. But anyways, they did a great job highlighting how Bajan's eyes in particular were just all over the place. It was like he missed Scott on the deep ball, and then a play or two later, he sticks on Mooney on a deep ball when Moore breaks open underneath. And so you could tell that there was this sense of like, had the Bears prepped him to see what Carolina was going to do downfield? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's that question. But it was funny to, to me watching this, Nick, because... You could have told me that Bajant's four starts happened in reverse, and I would have believed you up to that point, where at times tonight, he looked like the plucky UDFA that did enough to make a roster, but was so scattered and wild that you're not surprised it was a kid in his first start. Then he'd move on to last week, where it's like, hey, wow, so much went well, sans the four turnovers. And then you go to the week before that, where, okay, we get some solid football, some solid reads, a couple turnovers that we don't want to have, but at least they're a little more excusable because we're pressing. And then you'd finish up with his first start, just a, a relatively dominant team win where he doesn't have to do much and manages a quality game. Instead, mm-hmm. we're getting that very non-linear development from Bajan. But like you talked about, hey, oh. always great to finish the game on your arm. That's got to be great. You could even go back further, like not count that Minnesota partial game and then go back to preseason where he looked like a baller, like under control, audibles, (laughs) back shouldering on fourth downs. Like, yeah, it's it's been an interesting ride with Beijing and it's, it would be, it'd be interesting to like 
you know, hear more and trying to figure out like if they told him like, Hey, just don't throw down the field. Because I mean, we, you talked about the two plays where he clearly had other guys underneath, like on that one to Mooney, Mooney gave up and he threw it. And then another one, he, on that screen to uh Roshan late, well, I know it's designed. He had Scott wide open over the middle. I was like, mm, can you, can you throw the bears the never do? I can't I tell you. I can't tell you that you can't throw it. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks throw those. Like you get a real throw option. All mm-hmm. I can say is that neither Fields nor Bajent have ever done it in it's two years. And then did you see the other one where it was um he rolled right and he had Mooney deep? I think it was a corner route. Mm-hmm. And, and I was there, like, there's uh, another one where he rolled right and he had just four minutes <laughs> right in front of him, and he didn't throw that. Like you could tell he was almost one adjustment behind. Right. Yep. Where whatever was happening in front of him, he was almost I, the look, Nick, I don't want this podcast to ever turn into. I really don't ever want it to turn around or turn into a whining about the refs because that's just not who you and I are. We can be better no. than that. And B, I don't want it to turn into blaming blanket blaming coaching for everything. But man, watching Bajent seemingly get worse just on the heels of seemingly watching Fields get worse, has me wondering if this QB staff is doing a little bit of the all overcoaching. But, hey, I'm just going to say that and leave it there, and we'll check back up on it later. Yeah, no, no, no. We're we're in lockstep because it just – make it make sense on so many grounds. Like, it just doesn't make sense in terms of – like, even even last game or some of the – what do you want to call it? The the bravado that he brings with I'm going to take off and run was less this game. And I'm like, man, there were lanes. Like if you didn't see it, he was bouncing around and going to like Russell Wilson where he like backs up. Like, dude, why don't you take off or pump fake and run like he did last week? Like it's almost they're like, don't do that this week. Like now just like, I'm like, okay. Whatever. I was actually really surprised that the bears now look, I am a West coast fiend. I want to throw the ball on every play. The Chiefs are my spirit animal. The idea (laughs) that they like barely put any effort into their run game. They run the ball when they feel like the defense is just cheating and they still can't really do it all that well. Like, yes, that is me. Man, Nick, when I tell you I am stunned that while Bajant was in the throes of struggling like he was, they continued to force feed him to like basically ask him to go get them third downs, even when they were like third and shorts where you could very feasibly hand the ball off to Foreman, have a 50, 50 or better shot at picking up the yardage. I was stunned. You've coached. I have not, but I can't imagine that when you've got a really young quarterback, that it's such, it's such a bad thing to just send a bunch of runs in and say, look, check out of it to a screen. If it's absolutely not there, but just, Mm -hmm. Take a couple snaps, hand the ball off, and catch your breath. Like, Mm -hmm. listen to the crowd, settle into the game. We're going to come back to you. We haven't, like, we don't think you're bad. We're not worried about you, but you got to calm down. And the Bears didn't do that. (laughs) No, no. That didn't make sense. Like, there were some other ones, too, where, well, I I tweeted this late. Like, they were not respecting Beijing to keep any of those zone reads. And I'm like, dude, he, if he just keeps one of them, he's going to get eight yards easy. And I'm like, okay, he'll probably do on this last drive. He never did it. But did you see the one Robert where they, it was to, to Evans where they zone red 
and he let Evans take it. And then he, he continues on his fake and Bajan does that. And Evans like cuts back and they're running like the same direction. And I'm like, that play doesn't even make sense because the zone read is to read a defender, like an end or whomever. And he's your conflict guy. The conflict guy could have tackled both people. And I'm just like, that doesn't make sense either. Like at least make them run plays that, I don't know, give you a chance. You know, I mean, they, they try to have some fun too. I mean, a jet, a jet sweep to DJ Moore. I was like, eh, like to start drives. And I'm like, whatever. I, the, the Tyler Scott play was fun. Right. But you were talking about refing, by the way. There were two false starts we got away with for sure. That was one of oh, them. Yeah. Did you see? Like, oh, yeah. Darnell Wright false start. And then, or false started. And then the other one was the QB sneak. Foreman was like moving forward. I'm hey, like, why did they call that? Week one, we learned that Thursday night is kind to false starts, apparently. Yeah. So you can just you can get away That's with true. them. I'm kidding. That's true. But what if there's a couple players that I think we ought to talk about while we're kind of on the topic of offense? Let's talk about Tyler Scott. I thought he had a really solid game, especially yep. in the first half. Now, the results aren't going to show it. Comes away with one tote for 16 yards and one catch for 15 yards. Also, doesn't help anything that Tyler Scott looks like a running back catching the ball at really high speed every time he's thrown to. That leap into the air always seems like it's it's going to cause him trouble one of these days. But so, How long have you been a Bears fan for, Robert? Long enough. Probably about 15 years at this point. Okay, so, so this is going to be before your time. But I'm going to mention a name. And this guy, every time... They would throw him the ball. He would jump in the air to catch it. Okay. So, so Bears fans, you know, that have been there. I don't know. I'm going to guess this is probably 30 years ago. His name's Chris Penn. Chris oh, Penn traded for him from Kansas City. Every time he would get thrown his way, he would jump and catch it. It would drive me and my father nuts. Right, I honestly that. thought you were going to talk about Johnny Knox, who for some reason <laughs> I remember doing something similar. That works. But similar body types there. Chris right? Penn was thicker. Chris Penn was like, think like Marty Booker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and and he's jumping but anyways i loved seeing tyler scott break down the open middle of the field on the on that blown coverage that he didn't get the ball on i thought tyler scott was running well on his jet sweep on his catch and mm -hmm. seemed to be breaking open look i know everybody else i know so many people love prime vision the lines kill me i can't do it like uh, really? watching watching all the little people running around and tracking it for some reason it's too much for my eyes oh, wow. and maybe i need to just get used to robert. it what you're overstimulated robert over there oh it's a little bit man maybe it's just because i'm so accustomed while i'm watching games to like watching a little but letting the replay tell me a lot maybe it's just a rhythm thing but it's more to say that it sure seemed like Tyler Scott is fitting well into this offense. Every time he succeeds, you can almost feel Darnell Mooney receding a little bit. You swear only one of those guys gets to live in the Thunderdome like every single Bears oh. week. But, hey, it was a nice week for 13. And as somebody who wants to see the Bears develop, I am excited about that. Well, and talking about another time they wanted Bajan to come through, fourth down, he throws a dig to a rookie fourth round pick over the middle of the field and he catches right. it to convert. Right. I was like, okay, Big conversion. Too. Yeah. And then, Hey guys, or at Darnell Mooney finishes the game with two receptions, right? Four targets. One of them is debatably the biggest catch of the game for the bears yep. to ice it right there at the end to just not let Carolina take the ball and kudos to Mooney. Cause that was not an easy catch. Looked like no. a whip route that Bajit then didn't 
throw soon enough. So he just throws to a spot and asks Darnell to go catch the ball and then get hit by three dudes at once. And so kudos to Darnell for catching it, getting down, and not only, or and winning the game effectively for the Bears and, because that's and, and a big his play. other one. Sorry, go ahead. No, that that's it. It's just a big play. No, yeah, it was a humongous play. Um, it was, it was, I think it was a smart route because like that route's mm-hmm. going to be open a lot. I think when you oh, give yeah. him an option to go in or out and find a hole. His other reception that he caught, uh, that was the uh, the bubble screen. He converted a third down and he mm-hmm. he cut inside. Which he that's the one thing I love about receivers. It, or that I, if I had a receiver, like I had to make my wide receiver room, I, the ones that like catch it and just like go down easy all the time or just go out of bounds, drive me nuts. Darnell Mooney, despite his size, he cuts inside and makes guys miss and he does that. And so does DJ Moore. That was a nice one. The other one was uh, that I can remember off the top of my head uh, or actually all of his targets. The one is the bomb that I think he gave up on, but he knocked away, which was smart. He's like, I'm making sure you don't intercept this is the uh, the slant in the end zone where oh he was, he was oh behind him. And that's the thing, right? Rookie UDFA quarterback. I refuse to let the expectations, my expectations for Tyson Bajan, ever get higher than his draft status. And I understand that there are so many people that see that as me trying to take away from Bajan. No, I'm actually trying to give him more credit than I think the people who keep... The, the, it's almost like... By vaulting him into the starter picture, Nick, it makes us tear down spots where he doesn't play well. And I sit here excited he made the throw on third down, excited Mm -hmm. that he did enough, excited that he operated the offense because that throw to Mooney cannot happen. Not like that. That is that is as open as you're going to get in the NFL red zone. On first and goal, too, to throw behind if you're going to miss. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's ugh. you can be out in front, maybe if you keep the ball low enough, but behind, oh man, oh man, that is tip drill city. And if the yep. ball pops up the wrong way, a lot of guys get picked off at the end zone that way. Kudos to Deontay Foreman for one of maybe the best runs of the Bears season. Like it wasn't the longest run, but Foreman ate contact at the five yard line, got stuffed at the half yard line and just surged his way into the end zone anyways. And it was totally legal. I was amazed to see his butt not hit the ground as he surged into the end zone. I'm sure I'm sure when we when the Bears signed Deontay Foreman, I'm sure you watched a bunch of highlights, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So do you remember when he played, um, I believe it was Atlanta last year and he was uh, playing Teared it up. Like, like, and he had multiple of those runs where he's just like ricocheting off guys at like the five, the two, and going to the end zone. Like, in my mind, is like, oh man, that would be so great if he does that in Chicago. That run reminded mm-hmm. me of that. I was like, oh, look, he's all these guys battled up, and he's just like, I don't care. I'm stronger than you, and just goes through everybody. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's the guy we signed. And it's so funny because statistically speaking, it's not like Foreman had an amazing night. He's 21 carries for 80 yards. 3.8 yard per carry average and that touchdown. But in a game where your quarterback isn't, let's just leave it at your quarterback is not lifting your offense up. A lot of times it's going to be tougher sledding on the ground. And when you're playing the worst team in football, you only need so many points and mm-hmm. kudos to Foreman. He scored the final points. And I mean, yep. you, you know, the one of those hockey games where like somebody scores a big goal in the second period uh, to make the game three, nothing. And it ends up being the game winner. Like, this is that moment where you look back and you go, that touchdown was even bigger than we thought because the Bears yeah. didn't score again. And yep. I I can't I can't give enough kudos to 
most of the offensive line who on first watch seemed like they played pretty well. Uh, Eku Liotta, who was ironically the first defensive lineman that I scouted in last year's class, thought he was fine, had some burst. He races around Braxton Jones, and I was certain he had strip sacked. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, so, like, I thought that too, but then, so I, from what I remember, that was third and long. It was first and 10. Remember? Oh, I thought it was. They had just picked up a first down. And so they were running a play with 13 seconds left, almost as if somebody told them they oh, had right. to. And instead of just, I was stunned. I was like, okay, it's clear field goal range. What do we think? Bajan's going to throw like a 30 yard corner? No, 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 no. Let's just line up and take the field goal yeah, and go. Yeah. Because, oh my gosh, that strip sack was almost a complete disaster. But yes. So, so what I thought, like after that happened, I was like, why didn't he just roll out and then throw, like either throw it away or throw it to somebody and then get the timeout. Cause then you could maybe run another play that in my mind, I get it. I mean, I'm being picky, but like you just think totally. of situationally running and calling timeout. Like you could have just fell down. Like it didn't matter. Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, it was, it was kind of messy, but it came at the end of Bajan's best drive of the game so far. And yep. I can't believe we haven't talked about this, but like, was there any more Bears way for the game to kick off than both quarterbacks struggling, punt return, touchdown by a former Bear? Oh, no, no. (laughs) So I I typed out revenge game. This is where you're going. Revenge game. I was like, DJ Moore revenge game. Deontay Foreman revenge game. No, no. Amir Smith, Marset revenge game. And then immediately Eddie Pinheiro revenge game. And then it ends. With him not making the field. I thought he was going to make it for sure. I'm like, oh, that's the headline. Eddie Pinheiro know? was our double agent of the day as he yep. does not get that field goal. But man, I can't help but think the really crazy part about this. Like, okay, so segueing a little bit to the other side of the ball, right? Yeah. Well, Before we, we talk big there. conclusions. What, 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 one other guy. Yes. Um, and I saw you tweeted about this, but I um, I, I guess two two other guys. Um, Cole Komet, man. Yes. Gosh, like he's just, I, I was disappointed in him in his, early in his career, some with his blocking, some with his receiving early in the year. You know, we kind of made fun of him because he was going on all these vertical routes and he just doesn't have the, the foot speed for that. Man, he is, he has got his niche of like, I'm going to chip and help out, but I'm going to leak out. I'm going to, you know, run better routes. Like that contract he signed everybody. Remember, we have him at a cheap rate for years and I'm- he's young. So glad you talked about this. So it's so funny watching Cole Komet because I remember I did a, I did a, like a, it wasn't a small effort studying Cole Komet when we knew the extension was right around the corner. Cause the moment Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram inked his ex- extension. I don't know if you thought the same thing, but I was like, okay, so Cole Komet's getting paid and he's probably getting paid more than this. Just got to get ready. Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't. But anyways, in watching Cole Komet's tape, what was so wild, Nick, is that the overwhelming majority of his yards, the overwhelming majority of his touchdowns, in fact, all but one of his touchdowns, come completely uncovered. Like, Cole Komet is the invisible man. Cole Komet's entire skill set is just getting lost out there, which yep. is not, you know, winning man coverage, right? It's not Kyle Pitts. That's not, it's frankly not even George Kittle in most cases. It's mm-hmm. why everybody just laughed so hard when against, uh, gosh, what was it, Washington? Cole Komet beats the linebacker across his face, and we're like, Cole beats somebody. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He, he He's like the young Jason Witten right now. 
Almost. I, I mean, I think that's high praise, I mean, right? You know what I mean? Like Hall like of Famer rule. Like, he's Hall not of Famer that rule. athletic. You Heath know? Miller is the name I keep going back to. Oh, yeah. Heath, well, he's better than Heath Miller. But. Heath Miller had like 400, 500 yards a season, just like a certain somebody, didn't he? Like, yeah, but he, Cole Komet's going to get more than that. We'll see. I mean, the hope yeah. was that Cole Komet wouldn't because the other targets would all get more yards, but I'm getting off point. The right. main thing I'm trying to get at here is that Cole Komet has found this like beautiful niche of not being a man beater as a tight end, but being a like a disguised player in all cases where it's like, is he running around or is he blocking? He is a very viable blocker. He's not Mercedes Lewis, but he's a very viable blocker, mm -hmm. you know, unless he's not and unless he's running for the end zone like he did right. last week. And he, and, and he sneaks out on play actions. He's nice. Exactly. Yeah. And he's other, running with the ball. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing I was going to talk about. Like the thing I like that <laughs> there's certain players like they get hit and I'm like, man, are they going to get up? OK, like, man, a knee and ankle, whatever. <laughs> He just gets drilled. I mean, like early in the game, it was like a two-yard play, and he gets hit a few times, and he stays up, and then the linemen come and just do the the tush push, you know, basically for you know five more yards. And I'm like, all right, and he gets up okay. And multiple times, he just gets kind of like, what do you call it? Uh, uh, I can't think Slapped? of. I can't, I can't think of days. You know, like 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 um, pinballed around. There you go. Like yes. you know, like oh, like between guys and gets up again and he's fine so i mean that's but that like you need a guy he's like your garbage man he just cleans up a bunch of junk and gets makes it nice again yep him and then dj moore deserves a hat tip i think yep. every time dj moore touches the ball it's just super fun only ends up with nine targets in a 33 target game which is a separate conversation that you know we can have at another time because we the bears won so we can be grousy later but I swear, man, what is wild to me is as Bajent, okay, so like lowercase s struggles. I don't know. It might just be flat struggles. Like, again, I like Bajent. I think he's done so many good things. He's not throwing the ball intermediate and deep. That is where DJ Moore has traditionally feasted. So yep. instead, DJ Moore is going to take five touches, nearly all at or behind the line of scrimmage. He's going to turn it into 58 yards. That's really good efficiency from wide mm. receiver bubbles. Like DJ's breaking, what do you think? Probably one tackle, three out of four of these. And in the yep. NFL, you miss a tackle. Like that's bad for your yeah. defense because there's only yeah. so many guys flowing to the ball. The the, the one the, again, we're not we're not a refs gripe, you know. Don't podcast. you do it? Don't you do it? <laughs> so so DJ Moore had late in the game. He had that nice comeback. Great great route. Really good route. But early in the game, he had that comeback and go. And the defender went right into his chest and was battling with him the whole way. And DJ Moore tries to one-hand it. It's incomplete. Then I see Kyler Gordon get in a guy's chest. And the guy's not athletic. And he falls over. And it's a flack. And I saw the, the, the double hold on that third down play that, you know, Jalen Johnson. That was hilarious. Had. And you know it. Jalen Johnson didn't hold him. I watched it. He just was in his, he was like right behind him. So like, I was like, the only way that guy didn't get beat on that double move was to, what do you want to call it? Uh, touching, interference, whatever, illegal contact. And they didn't call it. And I was like, that's crap. Because that was a touchdown, I think, to DJ Moore. That was a good route he ran. He came back hard and then went and that guy pushed him to the sideline, which I would coach my guys to do. Take the five yards, take the whatever versus yep. the touchdown. But, Call it both ways. 
I okay, so I played intramural hockey for a couple of years, and I want to get back into it, but that's a separate discussion, right? And here's the problem, Nick. Have you ever played hockey in your life? I have played um, with rollerblade hockey. Is right. that, that going to count? Um, it can count, but I'm talking like, have you played, did you play it in a league? No. Okay, so I'm only, I'm not trying to one-up you. It's more like, the funniest part about that is the skating. The skating's just really hard. But I need mm-hmm. to make my point because I'm not just trying to tangent. The point is, is that at one point I was a penalty machine because I was not near as good a skater as some of the 40 and 50 year old men that had been playing in this league for 10, 15 years. And that meant that anytime I screwed up my skating and bumped into somebody, it was an illegal foul outside the bounds of hockey. Right. Mm. And in that same way, I wonder if the Panthers receivers were just so bad that the referees kept seeing holding because <laughs> that's I'm a good point. Not even playing with you on this either. Like if Tyreek Stevenson, it, it's kind of like offensive holding in a sense. If you physically destroy the guy across from you, like you take him and you throw him straight onto the ground, etc. Sometimes it can be so violent that you're going to draw a flag out because mm-hmm. the referee figures like they just see a flash, like a blur in the in their peripheral vision yeah. and they're like surely that wasn't the oh moment. yeah it must have been yeah right well, that, that that's a good point and that that leads me into the, another like we're gonna stay db wise okay um i had this de- this debate uh uh bill zimmerman you know yes. bill right oh absolutely yeah, yeah I, I, I like bill he's a good guy bill's a great dude so, me, me and him were in lockstep today chatting on Twitter about just you know the bears and moves you know nice. next offseason and we were both um negative on Jaquan Brisker and there was just someone that was like no he's just in the wrong defense or he's just he's good he can't showcase it and we're like he gets burned in coverage all the time like if this I compared Brisker like he's like Tony Parrish remember Tony Parrish big hitter come up run run defense could make some plays but like man you don't want him in a lot of coverage and uh and then sure enough early in this game Brisker misses a tackle and then one-on-one with who Mike straight or whatever the guy's name is. It doesn't look like it, but it's it looks like stretching. Yeah. But, I'm, but I think, I think it was called, it's called something different. Probably Strahan for from what I heard. I, I swear. Yeah, that could be Strahan. yeah. Either way, burns him. Some guy, I don't know who he is burns him for the biggest play in the entire game. And I'm just like, and, and you watch, what does he do at the top of the stem? He freezes his feet and he gets out of position against, Antonio Gibson against TJ Hawkinson yep. against this guy against that guy. And I'm like, I, does he need to move to will, to will linebacker? I, you, you are making me a total hater. Cause all I have done is grouse. I promise. I'm really upbeat about a lot of parts of this game, but man, when we talk about brisker, I sit here and I'm like, well, this is what he's done since he's a rookie. He's like, a liability right now in coverage. He's, he has some of the worst eyes I've seen as in a safety that's as highly drafted as him in a while. And granted, this happens a lot. Like most safeties tend to rise up from like rounds three to seven off of primarily instincts. Eddie Jackson, while unusual for Chicago, is not an unusual story across the league. Safety's not a position, right? Where you take guys in the first or second round and expect them to just be flat out killers right at at least not 
near as commonly as others. You'll get the Jalen Petries, where it's like, that guy's a dog. And yeah. only a couple plays later is Jaquan Brisker, who is, I would argue with you, you want me to make the most positive statement that I could say? I think Jaquan Brisker might be the a reincarnation of Landon Collins. The problem is the league has moved all the way away from that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, now you can't really do that. And if if there was something that I think you would want to do with Brisker, you you mentioned linebacker, and I kind of like the idea, put him in a one-high defense where he gets to play around the line a lot. Yes. Let He'd him good. Let him cover the running back the overwhelming majority of the time. And honestly, he's a better pass rusher than Demarcus Walker. And I'm not even dunking on Walker (laughs) when I say that. Like, he's kind of a good pass rusher when they let him rush the pass. So so my comparison is Jamal Adams. That is so high, though. Like, well, yeah, he's not that good, but like that's the type of player he needs to be. Like, just put him around line scrimmage. Yes, just now I got cause you. Havoc. Right, and the problem is that when you play him in like a normal safety role, eventually he's going to either have to play a deep zone or he's going to have to play catch man, and he's worse at catch man because, like you're talking about. So, Bears fan, if you're listening, uh, the big thing you need to know about DB play is that physicality is critical because in the NFL, nobody is fast enough to just match feet with dudes. Maybe nope. you'll get a Michigan corner like DJ Turner or a corner like Denzel Ward that is so fast that they can kind of match feet with most guys. But at the end of the day, if you ever wonder why guys like me or Nick are comfortable with DBs taking illegal contact penalties, taking holding penalties, taking DPI calls in some cases, instead of just letting guys run routes on air, it's because of what you're seeing with Jaquan Brisker. When you don't, what's called collision, the receiver across from you, in the NFL, you did nothing to disrupt timing. And the quarterback, who's practiced this forever, even Bryce Young, who gets nearly no clean reps at all, is going to be able to throw that rep blindfolded. Because Mm -hmm. that looks just like it does when you're in shorts in the offseason, living in Florida, you oh, that's the corner, that's how he runs a corner route? I'm going to hit that immediately mm-hmm. you have to disrupt timing yep. brisker doesn't no and the other thing too is like he doesn't maintain his leverage like most no. of the time most of the time everybody okay when it is beyond 10 yards down the field the throw is going to be outside the hash majority of the time all why it's safe less guys are out there you can throw it away you can throw it away from guys like it's fine right and then he gets beat outside all the time i'm like dude just keep your leverage keep a half half a man you know, a yard, whatever, outside him, force him to run a post because then you can recover. It has to be a perfect throw then. And it just, nope, lets him outside, stops his feet, boom. I, I mean, I the same route happened to TJ Hawkinson. I was like, oh, you had it and gone. Like, I don't know. It's it's a concern. I mean, and the Bears won. I get it. And we may, people think we're being picky, but like, well, I, this is this is about next offseason. <laughs> like, like, I think like, does he keep his job? That's how bad he's playing right now in my mind. Well, I mean, an, another point worth making here, right? Because, like, if we sound grousy, gosh, now I'm, now I'm just worried. I'm in my own head. So just let us know if you're enjoying the show anyways. But, they, like, <laughs> it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt anything, Nick, or it doesn't help anything. That when you're watching this game, you are not watching two titans just smashing into each other, right? And... Clearly, like one of these black and blue old Steelers Ravens games, right? Or some of those, I remember some Vikings Bears games growing up that were just 
teeth gnashing, like batter and bruised football games. You know what I'm saying? This was not that. This looked like the worst offense in the NFL against the Bears. And gosh, when the worst offense in the NFL can find a deep completion against the guy you spent a 49 over, or the, the 49th overall pick on, that's a concern. But it gets even more concerning when you and I, Nick, start talking about, well, if Matt Eberflus goes, like what's a neutral coach with no emotional investment in, in Jaquan Brisker going to think? Because I'll tell you what, if I was a neutral coach with no investment in this DB core, I think Kyler Gordon is a lot of fun. I think oh, Tyreek Stevenson. So much fun. Oh. I think Tyreek Stevenson is showing us some things. I you, think Jay better Lee, today. I think Jay, he didn't look sick. That's for sure. Like yeah. whatever was going. Uh, that's a separate story. I think Jalen Johnson looks like a young cornerstone. I think Eddie Jackson and God Nick, you didn't meet me during my prime Ejac stand days. <laughs> You've it, talked about it enough on this podcast that I I would think. You've talked more on this podcast or off air about Eddie Jackson than you have your wife. So I could just imagine how much you love that. Pretty much. Uh, He's over the hill. Like the bears need two new safeties for better or for worse. Like I'm really worried about Eddie's ankle holding up long-term. I I tend to think that it just makes too much sense to clear the 10 million off the books because in the wide world of, could you find a better safety? Well, finding a safety is never easy because I don't trust defensive coordinators to know what they're looking for, to be completely candid with you, (laughs) but you can definitely find one with like a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick. Like Adrian Amos types happen way more often than you'd think. Funny you mentioned him. So I just pulled up PFF, which we've referenced quite often. So Jaquan Brisker, that's before this game, which I assume this game is going to go down as bad. So worse. He's the 63rd best safety oh, in the yikes. NFL. Oh, no. 63rd. Oh, so, no. You, so, so literally you, every team has two safeties, 32 teams. There's only one safety of those starters that's worse. And that's not even counting backups that get in there too. So he's, I think, 11th best in run defense, which is what we're talking about. That, yeah, line he's a scrimmage. good hitter. Good yep, hitter. Yep. But then the coverage, eh. So he has a 58.8 overall, okay? And we've talked about this before. 70 is about what you want to get to to be like maybe average-ish. Adrian Amos, who you just you just brought up, okay? Adrian Amos, in his ripe age of 30, is 70.6. So oh. 12 higher than Jaquan Brisker. And he joined the team in what? Training camp preseason-ish? Because the guy got hurt. Um it's just not getting it done. Now, now, injured, you know, is he working his way back in? I'm willing to give him some more time. He's, sure. He's kind of getting this Justin Fields time, this Braxton Jones time. You got to prove it to me. Okay, okay. We should talk about this, right? Because that's the thing here. If this Bears organization was inspiring, I say this. Okay, so look, Bears fans, Bears fans, tonight was a huge win. Tonight was a massive, massive Super Bowl, win. Robert. We're I know. Going. No, I know there were some people that were, well, okay. So honestly, Nick, let me, let me spin you a yarn. That's not far off of that. Right. Because as much as I know, there were some bears fans that were sicko enough to root for a tie. The bears finished the game in what I think is clearly the most optimal scenario for them. The bears with, by beating the Panthers who bears fan, you just got a great look at the worst team in the NFL. And you got a great look at why they are one and whatever. You got a great look at why it took the 
or that took the Texans getting held to what 13, 14, 15 points, less than 16 for crying out loud. It took that for the Panthers to win a game. And when you look at the rest of the Panthers schedule, there are not many easy weeks left. Like nope. this Panthers team, especially the next three weeks, could break their spirit. And the best part, if you're a Bears fan, is they aren't going to stop playing Bryce Young. Because the deeper you get in the season, the more it makes less sense to bench him. Why would you bench him for Andy Dalton when the season is clearly over? So the Bears could easily, very easily, be sitting on a top two pick. Let's not talk about number one. Number one's neat. Obviously, I would love the Bears to get as high a pick from possible as Carolina. But it's really about the top two, isn't it, Nick? I, yeah. I think you know why. And so, mm -hmm. if the Bears have a shot to reset at quarterback, then resetting at coach at the same time makes a decent degree of sense. And it's one thing for you and me to say that, but if Matt Eberflus can't even get style points against the Carolina Panthers, then it, a loss to the Falcons and a loss to the Josh Dobbs-led Vikings and a loss to the Jordan Love-led Packers and a couple of those are probably going to seal the deal. So yep. then at that point, you're talking about a new organization and more than likely a new quarterback. And the reason that you and I are talking about sophomore and rookie players and saying, what have they shown us so far? is not because we're cycle crazies. It's because if you reset the org like that, then anything's on the table. Yes. Braxton Jones being a swing tackle, very possible. Braxton mm -hmm. Jones being the starter, totally on the table. Bra or Jaquan Brisker getting cut, it's happened. You know what I mean? Like yeah. new orgs flip the whole thing over in yep. plenty of cases. Well, 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 look at how many how many Bears players prior to this regime are even on the roster. Right. Like none. I mean, I mean, not, I mean, not literally none, but close. Fields, Komet, Jalen Johnson, Khalil Herbert, Whitehair. I'm not even going to try, to be honest Eddie with you. Jackson. I mean, like, good luck. I'm leaving you out there. I, I'm not yeah, trying. I, I got six. Oh, Darno Mooney, that's seven. There you go. There you go. Uh, Pat Scales. Pat Scales. Uh, eight. I th that might be it. That Santos. Be it. Santos was the old regime. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But Trent Gill had a terrible night. Ter Trent oh Gill's God. getting competition next year. Like, he had like his best punt of the year today and his worst. He had a, he had a return against him for a touchdown. And then a 26-yard punt in a game-clinching scenario. And the only reason you forgot that that punt was 26 yards is because Carolina immediately took a hold and then a second hold. It was first and 30. And remind me, the Bears were able to stop them on that, right? Nick, were nope. they able to stop them? Nope. No, they weren't. Like, I love a lot of the players on this roster. I really do. Like, Kyler Gordon is fearless in the run fit, which is not common for a guy that's 180 pounds. And he's getting much better, in my opinion, at sticking with guys. Nickel corner is really difficult. And there are plenty of cases where obviously you'd love him to be that much more competitive. But I also can't help but think, Nick, that nickel corner is very like positionally sat. It's an experience-based position. The more you play it, the better you get. He obviously was relatively new to football at Washington, and he played outside corner the whole time. So yep. still developing plenty of comfort on the inside. I'm but, not worried about it. But but what I like about him too that I saw today, especially, you know, you didn't like this, the prime vision where you could see 
it back up more. Totally. Is how much he messes with quarterbacks and like press and yes. moves off and comes in. And like he does the things that you want from a veteran already. And I'm just like, oh, it, it, that that gets me excited. Right. And I'll tell you what, I can't believe we are now almost 40 minutes into the podcast. We haven't mentioned him, but I, Eberflus or not, because I'm not really a huge Eberflus guy at the moment. Montez Sweat is making an impact, which is rad. Whoa, whoa, the Bears are the, the Bears don't know what they're doing, Robert. That guy, what they're trying to make a run this year. <laughs> what is Poles doing? They're not going to sign him. Blah blah blah. He had how many pressures? He had five in the first half. I know. I actually don't know how many pressures he had. Okay. Do you know? Like I, I don't know. I, I but he had five in the first half. I mean, he was clearly impactful, and that's the thing. Like we've talked about this before, but so to me, it doesn't help anything. We are talking about Carolina. Their offensive line has just been woeful. Nobody can even figure out quite why. Their offensive line was not near this bad last year. This year, it has just been atrocious. I see Sweat as doing pretty much what he did tonight, but adding one more situational pass rusher, right? Like, Sweat was a fire starter is the way that I think my brain categorizes it, right, Nick? Like, Sweat is that flash of color that I've heard a lot of coaches call it. And by the way, Bears fan, if you don't know what I'm talking about, imagine you're the quarterback, you're looking downfield, and out of the peripherals, you see not your jersey. That I've heard that called flash of color, and yeah. a lot of quarterbacks, that's all it takes to spook them, is just, that's not my jersey. <laughs> and yeah. Sweat's massive, stupid long arms, like mm -hmm. getting just on the inside shoulder of the tackle was enough to flush Bryce Young into the ever waiting arms of Rasheem Green. And the moment we're getting Rasheem Green sack production, like you know that there's a straw stir in the drink. And I, I, I was just laughing, like, oh, of course he gets one tonight. <laughs> I just, I know it's Thursday. I know the last time the Bears popped off on the pass rush, it was also Thursday. I'm sure the shirt, I'm sure the short week has something to do with it. But Nick, I think there are a lot of people out there that keep trying to talk about how sweat is this just, I keep, I think there are people that are over accentuating the point where sweat isn't an elite pass rusher and they're forgetting that the bears even just need a decent one, like mm -hmm. a, a plus ish, a better than neutral pass rusher and sweat sure brought more than that tonight. It was awesome. Yep. yep. I, I thought he had a really good game overall. Um, because he changes the dynamic, mm -hmm. like he, like you're talking about, like everyone can play off of him. But you also saw it in the run game. We also saw our boy Andrew Billings in the run game, like in Amen. these big situations. And like if you can have those two at least, and you know those spots are set, like it changes everything. Because going into the year, we didn't think we had any defensive linemen that we've, were the future. We've whispered this before. I'm going to say it out loud. To me, the biggest criticism of Matt Eberflus is that there are going to be so many people that are going to talk about how there's nobody that's playing on this defensive line. How could you expect this Eberflus system to work? You're wrong. The Bears picked out a guy in Andrew Billings that is playing like Dexter Lawrence. Not quite that far, but man, you're close. Like, from as far as defensive linemen go, he is without a doubt a top 16 defensive tackle in the NFL right now. Which is in, in, in big downs too. He turns it on. Like there was like I that know. third down. He's like, nope. And he just goes through his guy in a run fit. I was like, oh, I love having he, him on our team. He creates stops. He mm -hmm. is a steal. He is highway robbery. 
at the price that the Bears extended him at. And so you add Sweat to this, and now you have a legit defensive tackle, and you have a legit edge rusher. And again, are these the best edge rusher in the world? No. Would I trade Andrew Billings for uh, for uh, DeForest Buckner? Tomorrow. Like, I'm not trying to yeah. overemphasize what the Bears have, but they don't have nothing. And sometimes the defense acts like it anyways. And I think that that's the real shame here. If that makes mm-hmm. sense that like yeah. to start the game, for instance, the bears give up two third down conversions on long down and distance on first and 30. They give up a conversion. I understand that not every defense is the 2018 bears defense. I get it. Not every defense is the current Ravens defense, but like I am stunned sometimes at the bears ability to give up long downs, like long down conversions. And it's a shame I, because they're running. And, and you knew he couldn't pass. You knew he couldn't pass down the field. You know what I mean? And you're still allowing this, like all of this. I don't know. To, to me, like there was a, there was one play. It was like a third and five and Brisker was like 20 yards deep. And it just like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like if you know, he can't succeed down the field, maybe we need to tighten up a little bit and they just don't have it. Robert. No. They don't. And it's weird. And I just, I don't look at guys like Jack Sanborn and TJ Edwards playing like they are and think to myself, oh, wow, these guys would struggle in another system, right? Like, I'm not scared of transition when it comes to whatever the Bears' identity may be defensively going forward. And that's not me trying to hate too hard. Like, the Bears' defense is kind of finding it happenstantially. They seem to be finding it against bad quarterbacks. Uh, gee, I wonder if there's a correlation. Right. Like going all the way back to the Vikings game, the Vikings game is the best example we've got recently of a quarterback that actually showed that his receivers left a lot on the field that day. Like I thought Kirk was gaming and it went, then you factor in like Justin Herbert, you factor in gosh, second half Russell Wilson for crying out loud. Like quarterbacks in the top 10, top 12 have just smoked this defense. Mahomes. And Oh, I thought that went without saying. i I thought you forgot i'm like do you not know like no i'm trying to point out that like Derek carr had had perfect he had a perfectly fine time against his bears d my favorite play to use as an example and it's also uh, simultaneously an example of how i think kyler gordon's getting kind of unfairly criticized because look bears fans lovingly uh, they will grab onto whatever narrative they can pull from the broadcast, right? And Jaquan Brisker makes a lot of tackles. That means that in a lot of people's eyes, he must be good. And Kyler Gordon spent the entirety of last year left on an island in the slot. The linebackers would just peace out because on any play action fake, they were gone, bro. And so you had a quarter who's just constantly on the other end of a pass catch. And so everybody labeled Kyler Gordon just this god-awful corner. And then you get these moments like we got last week where he's one-on-one against Chris Olave to three and a quarter seconds. That's before Carr throws it, Nick. If I, I told know. you, if I told you your DC sent a six-man blitz with one guy falling off about halfway through, so a six sim with one coming out, and Derek Carr throws at three and a quarter seconds, meaning Kyler Gordon has to cover Chris Olave for four and a half seconds. Are we really upset he lost on not the on the second move? Not you know what chance. I mean? <laughs> not a, not a, it, it reminded me um, today a little bit of like, I know they wanted to bring some pressure, but T.J. Edwards 
playing man off man, like trying to trying to judge the pick play on I was a fourth down, I think. They converted to the running back. I'm like, like, come on. He like, just free released a guy into flat open space. Like, like <laughs> how is how did you we think this is gonna be successful? Did they see him against Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler? Like, this isn't smart. And worse is like I I trust TJ Edwards too much. Like, trust me, yeah. I want to blame the players, but that's not a young player, and that's not an underaccomplished player. That's no. a player whose entire bread and butter is getting his assignment right. So mm-hmm. what do I think? He busted a coverage on fourth down? I doubt it. And so I just like- I sit here looking at this game, and I'll tell you what, man, like as we kind of as we sort of start to peer towards what does this mean for the rest of the season? Right. Can, can, can I finish up that part and then Absolutely. you go there? Oh, uh, also, Here. hat tip to Gervon Dexter on that play where Montez Sweat crashed around the edge and Dexter is just bull rushing one on one. And oh yes. boy, oh boy, did he bull yes. rush. Yes, and, 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 and he's long. What we're getting at is you see good coaching staffs, great ones too, but good coaching staffs see what their players do well and they put them in those positions to do the things that they're well at. And then they know the things, hey, you're not as good at this. So then we don't do that. Like there were times in this game when we were in, I don't know, 21 personnel or 20 personnel. We had two backs and we were getting cute. Like where guys were lined up and it was a pass play. And I'm like, why is this running back on this route with a running back in the backfield? Like, doesn't make sense. Like put the guys, you see Andy redo it all the time. Puts, hey, you're good at this. You're going to do this on the field. And, right. and, and then it's to your advantage, to your whole team, your offense, your defense, everything. And right now I think Chicago is not using everyone to not even like their average capability. I feel like they're holding them back. And that's the part that's frustrating for, I think, both of us. Yes. Like I tend to look at, so there are some of these players, I'm looking at you, Zach Pickens, who are just not showing enough. And as a reasonable person, I don't expect every draft pick to be a hit. So if you ask Robert, Robert is the most positive person who will look you in the eyes and tell you almost every single rookie is bad. Don't expect anything from rookies. If they do anything right, then great. Right. And if half those rookies end up any good at all, then that was a pretty good draft class because drafting these guys is really hard. Yep. Like, I would argue that both Dexter and Pickens as a collective two-pick unit have been kind of disappointing. Now, I still have hope for Dexter. I really do. And mm-hmm. I'm going to leave out hope for Pickens for as long as I as long as I can. I just am sitting here thinking, what is okay, not is. I'm not going to go that far. What would Ben Johnson have to say about number 96 right now? And I doubt he noticed it. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that I I wouldn't say Dexter's been disappointing, but I don't know that they've been purely, purely coming at the word disappointing from the perspective where Byron Young from Tennessee is like making hay out of the what second or third round. Like it's, it's only 26, isn't he? He's old. It's only disappointing because of the results that some other players are getting like Tui Tui Lopo. It's a very specific edge rusher, but he got drafted after Dexter, didn't he? Like, and so I'm not saying Dexter is bad, not zero sum, not zero sum, just maybe we left a little meat on the bone, but it's not like I've seen and granted, I'm not super well-schooled on what a lot of these DBs have been doing. Juju Brents drafted before Tyreek Stevenson and Cam Smith 
drafted before Tyreek Stevenson, have not seemed to have better seasons than Tyreek Stevenson, even just from a developmental standpoint. Gotta remember that for DBs and draft and whatnot, it's way more process than it is results because you're going up against like grown men (laughs) that are catching Mm -hmm. for their jobs. They're catching for their salaries. They're catching for their future. You're not. You're just trying to hang around with them. But Mm -hmm. I, I can't help but look at this, the core of this Bears team. And I see Darnell Wright seemed like he was better able to use his left hand, laid some big time blocks. Certainly we didn't see any pressure from that right hand side. I mean, dude, Nick, Tyson Page took zero sacks on 33 drops. Like, and the time to throw was not super duper slow. I understand. More more drops than that because he scrambled too. So totally right. And so I just, I can't help but sit here and I'm like, there are so many pieces on this Bears team that are way better than they've been in five years. Like Mm -hmm. they are way healthier for whatever comes next. And purely because somehow this rant ended up allowing me to segue into this, my favorite part of tonight, Nick, the Panthers are awful. We got a front row seat to the Panthers being awful. They are bad. They are hurt. And you can't tell me that locker room isn't going to slowly crack as Dave Tepper continues to put external pressure on it, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, Nick. I think you'd agree. What are the what more than anything do the Carolina Panthers need? Probably an elixir game, right? Right? Oh yeah. Do you know who they play next week? Uh Dallas. They play Dallas. They play <laughs> they play a suffocating 4-3 defense that has smoked lower opponents. I don't care how Dallas does against higher tier opponents because the Panthers aren't higher tier. Okay, okay, so they come limping out of Dallas. Do you know what game they play after Dallas? Uh, no, I didn't look that far. They go to Tennessee, which is okay. not an easy game, especially with well or Will Levis kind of finding something. Okay, 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 okay. Looking better than Bryce Young right now. Two losses can only, like, not to mention traveling's not easy. Okay, whatever. Two losses, Robert. They could easily recover. Well, after that, they go to Tampa. And after that, they go to the Superdome. What? Like, that four-game stretch is a kick where it hurts. Yep. And after that, if they scrape themselves together, and beat the Falcons at home. Okay, that's their second win of the season. And they would then have to win another one of Packers, Jags, Bucks to finish three and 14. Like, it is dark. It is grim. Yep. If you're a Panthers fan right now. Yep. And that means it is bright and it is happy if yep. you're a Bears fan right you, now. You know what surprised me the most, I guess? Because like... This is just me as a coach. When when you're bad, and you know you're bad, like right. like you came into this game at one and seven, like Panthers, you knew you were you bad. You knew you're bad, and you had opportunities this game. And I'm going to go through a few of them. Right before the half, there's one one nineteen left on the clock. It's fourth and one at the forty eight. You're on forty eight. Punt. Okay. I mean, you're up 10 to six there, but like it's fourth and one. You're going to need more points than 10. No, and you're not good. Punt. Nick, don't Later. back off on that. You're right. Fourth and one at the, your own 48. What are you scared of Tyson Bajan? Like, and the way he's playing at that point. Like, what, what are you going to lose? Go get the yard. 
Are you seriously thinking you're going to hang on to a 10 to 6 lead for the rest of the game? Like, what are what are we missing here? You know what I'm saying? Because I'm with yeah. you. Like, and, and you. And you struggled moving the ball anyway. So you get to the 48. Let's let's do, let's hard count and then get a delay. Who cares? Who you in here? I mean? Who in here listening has watched college football? Have you seen the way that App State or any of these other common upset schools play ball? They take every chance. Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, they go for nearly every fourth down in the book. Yep. And that's yep. not to say it's going to work all the time. But here's the thing. It doesn't not work all the time. And like when you're one and seven, it's not like playing a conservative has succeeded for you. Yep. So I'm right yep. there with you. We could and even talk about that one play. And I know you've got more, but I'm hitting yep. that one really no. hard. Yeah. And that, that's fourth and one. And then third quarter, they had uh fourth and five at the Bears 45 and they punted. Okay. Then the next drive, they went for it on fourth and six, the Bears 36 and converted. That was the completion and the two holds play. But then that drive went to the Bears 20, it's fourth and five, and they kicked the field goal to go 16 to 13. You needed six anyway. Okay. And then the end of the game, they tried the field goal, which I think I would have. I know it's 59 yards, but like it's fourth and 10. But still, you there, that's three opportunities, Robert, to go for it on fourth down. When you're one and seven, like people don't expect you to win. You're on the road. You finally are in their territory or close to their territory. Let's, I mean, all of those, fourth and five, fourth and five, fourth and one. You could have tried to hard count them and get them to jump off sides. It's a first down. We saw more aggression from Dennis Allen with a seven point lead going for a fourth and one late in the yeah. Bears Saints game than we saw from an offensive minded head coach in Frank Reich. It is. I mean, that's the thing here, Nick. I can't help but look at that and trying to find the most likely and reasonable explanation for why it happened that way. I keep coming back to this organization has guys in it that already don't want to be there anymore. Yep. And you start to hit that point. I mean, for crying out loud, what was it? Week four in their season? I think it was Hayden Hurst who was saying like, guys, we got, we got to try. Like he got interviewed in the locker room saying like, yeah. I expect you to at least give full effort out here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to point the fingers and I'm certainly not trying to twist my mustache and laugh in an evil voice saying, yes, Panthers lose. It's more like, as an unbiased or as somebody who's trying to be an unbiased and objective observer, this team is, is getting, I mean, they should have beaten the bears. I didn't think the bears were good enough to like beat them, beat them, especially when you spot them seven points. But this offense was that bad. I mean, yeah. take the touchdown away and they wait, they just lost six to 16 in the NFL on a Thursday night and yeah. in front of the country. And that is, you can't do that. Like, well, I mean, they, they averaged 3.7 yards per play. They had 3.7 yards per play. Yep. Have yep. you they, ever they had, seen one that low? It, that's that's really low. They had 200. Had tip to uh, the Bears like, defense, I guess, man. Yeah, they had 217 yards, but the, 50 of them came on the last drive, which we all can agree was a lot of prevent. And 45 of them came on one play. And and then, yeah, 45 came. Like, to me, it's just like. We, we've heard the rumors that they didn't want Bryce Young. They wanted CJ Stroud and the owner came in and that, but like Frank, Wright, Like, man, like I feel bad. Like I, I actually like him as a coach or I have in the past, but like that guy looks defeated. 
they're they're just not doing a good job. And yeah. like one team with a bad coach on it looking at another team with a bad coach on it, I guess. <laughs> like I mean, it's one of those where who's but, worse? Well, we're really experienced, unfortunately, right? Like we've seen we've seen young and kind of ridiculous in Matt Nagy. We've seen offensive, but also not a very good leader. Uh, we've also seen the defense version of not very good leader. Separate conversation, man. I I must be in a bad mood somehow. Like I'm I'm so sorry, everybody. Like I, it's just it's wild to me watching this Carolina team make some of the mistakes that they made. Because to me, the worst part is that their offense looks completely lifeless around their number one overall pick. And I feel bad. Like Adam Thielen is the juiciest receiver they've got. And I mean, honestly, I I mean, like take your blue and orange glasses off, Nick. I swear, if you speak like a homer, I'm going to drive to your house. I'm going to punch you in the face. If (laughs) Adam Thielen was dropped onto the Bears roster, where would he rank on the depth chart? third i think third is probably reasonable and And i like adam thielen and that's the i know like that's their clear-cut best receiver yeah and he's played well this year for that role but that's you you're just not gonna win like that if if the shoe was on the other foot and that was justin fields i know what bears fans would say because we lived it (laughs) that that was my question okay so oh first off this is kind of funny my my score prediction from our last pod was 34 to 13 bears win. Mm-hmm. So I got the Panthers score, right? I got the bears win, right? I just get a half of the bears score and another two. And then right. I'm right. right. <laughs> but, and now we were a baby's breath away from Kyler Gordon, potentially picking off a pick six yes. in the yeah. end zone, which yes. was part of my 30 point prediction. But yeah, I, totally I thought right. that would happen too. So if Justin Fields was, and I thought Fields was starting, if Justin Fields was starting this game, Robert, how many more points do the Bears score? Uh, it, it, probably seven, I would say. Points are hard to come by in the NFL. So what, what would have been really interesting is like, what does happen to a Bears offense that goes from no sacks to pro- probably three or four, just right. knowing Justin. But I at the same time, I... Nick, I'm really torn because when Justin Fields doesn't play, people look back really fondly on what they think he plays like. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not, mm-hmm. I promise I'm not trying to convict. And we say things like, well, Justin would have hit Tyler, Tyler Scott over the middle. I don't know that he would. The, the Justin he, Fields. He would hit on the sidelines for sure. <laughs> the Justin Fields that I want him to be, that mm-hmm. I, I thought he would be coming into this season, absolutely would have found Tyler Scott over the deep middle of the field in a busted coverage, and it would have been a free and breezy touchdown. The one that is playing right now, man, I don't, I can't be certain that he would have found it. But if he did, I mean, drop points on a drive where the Bears get no points on a drive, right? I. Okay, so so me, right, you can call it biased all you want. I think the Bears scored 10 more points with Justin Fields tonight. It's I think that I think that's a very bad defense that didn't generate any pressure. None. Maybe Fields gets sacked a couple times just because he holds it so long, but they're not going to cover forever. He would run for more yards. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was – and what's tough is, you know, moving forward, because I think we'll probably talk about that before we wrap up, but, like, we get – we talked about this on the – that before the season started, the Bears have a lot of extra rest before they play to, at Detroit because Detroit plays the later game on Sunday. Right, the Bears have these extra couple of days. 
Um, but it's at Detroit, at Minnesota, which we knew what happened there last time, home against Detroit, at Cleveland, home against Arizona, home against Atlanta, who's not a bad defense, and then at Green Bay. That's not a great, an easy set of defenses for Justin Fields, who I assume will be back for the Detroit games. No, it's not. I mean, like, that's part of the funny part I'd say about this is that, like, Bajant gets to probably hand the ball off. I mean, I would be blown away if he's not handing the ball back to Justin Fields. But within that, he it gets to finish as a 2-2 starter because we played a Raiders team that Cole Kmet said on the CHGO podcast blatantly did not want to be there when they played the Bears. And, I mean, I thought it was obvious when you really look back. And the worst team in football. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Oh, I saw this Brad Spielberger, Chicago, this year on Thursday Night Football, 2-0. and Oh, yeah. I mean. Play if, every game on Thursday night. If they, had, if they had the Super Bowl on Thursday, man. But so <laughs> one thing that gets, I think, really funny as we segue towards the end of the year is if you told me. So all I really want out of this Bears season, to be so honest, is I want to watch players develop. I want to see the direction of the future get brighter. And to be honest with you, Nick, the more that we can keep having these Eberflus moments, right? I assume that George McCaskey watches the games. Like he's told us that he's a fan. I'm not expecting him to watch the all 22. I'm not expecting him to talk with coaches, but I'm assuming he watches the ball games. And if he does, I just don't want him to feel inspired watching Matt Eberflus coach because a a nice end to a bad year, in my opinion, shouldn't be rewarded with another year and the, what, fifth, seventh, ninth straight opportunity for the Bears to draft a quarterback, fire the coach that drafted him, get a new coach to now fix the quarterback that was drafted by a coach that got fired and things didn't work out. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. and, and the cycle is kind of where I sit. So, the oh, go ahead. The best news is that if the Bears tidied up just enough wins or so many teams threw in the tank that the Bears ended up drafting first and ninth, whatever. Like first and uh, second and fifth, second and seventh. I don't know about you. I have stopped pining for MHJ so hard and started focusing on the Bears just need one of these top two picks for quote unquote the rebuild to work, right? Like, even then, they don't need one, but the picture gets so much murkier if they don't have one of those top two picks. Pick number seven could be Keon Coleman. It could be that Newton kid from Illinois if you wanted a three-tech. It could be your favorite edge rusher, whoever it is. It's probably not Marvin Harrison, but maybe it's Joe Alt. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it could be Brock Bowers. You could go, you know, two tight ends player. all the time. Yeah. Such a good player. It's such a good player at whatever that second pick is. And so, to me... I see tonight, tonight was near perfect. Like, mm -hmm. the Bears did not play inspiring football. They, nope. they looked like the second worst team winning at home against the worst team, right? Well, where, where, was, where was this, Robert? Okay, where was, because I kept looking for it, because he said it. Where was <laughs> the tricks up his sleeve? You know what I mean? Because he said tricks me. up his sleeve. So, so literally, there was a moment in this game where I was like, they're going to do a fake field goal right here because who cares? Nope, of course not. It was like the blandest thing ever. And I'm like, where was the – I hope someone asks him, Flus, where was they the did. trick? They did. And he said, what's up your sleeve? That I cannot – I'm not faking. 
That's the real quote that he said back to the reporter that asked. Really? Yeah. Uh, let me let me make absolutely certain. But he says, uh, he said, I don't know. What's up yours? That's Wait, is he just is he just like the corniest like? I mean, probably right. <laughs> and and man, I just sit here and it's like it's so fun seeing the picture come together. I am not trying to beg anybody who's listening to this podcast to like Ryan Poles. I can't change your opinion for you, but the picture of the defense makes a lot more sense when you see the talent playing tonight the way that they did against one of the worst teams in football, point withstanding. But uh, honestly, Nick, I just sit here thinking, okay, I don't, I don't, I'm not near as worried about the future as I was before before the season, around week five, after they beat the Raiders. Like, trust me, Bears fan, I understand how toxic everything I'm saying here at 1130 with no filter sounds. But when Adam Johns comes out on a Tuesday and releases a bold predictions article that includes Matt Eberflus being retained for 2024, it does things to a man. And one of those things <laughs> is making me sit here and say, okay, so then the Bears probably can only win a maximum of five games like yep. for, for us to get our way. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Yep. Like yep. if 6-11, and 11, Eberflus stays, then I don't think I want to be 6-11. and 11. Like, and am I being too toxic? Well, Get well word okay. let's, let's go down that road. Let's say they're six and 11, right? That means that they have a couple of wins in here. That means that Justin Fields probably plays really good. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe the defense plays really good. Like maybe Fields is, I don't know, fine, right? Like some good, some awful, right? <laughs> like, Fields throws the touchdown to Tyler Scott. And then on the late two minute drive, he does get strip sacked and like okay. luck isn't on his side. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but you still have to win somehow. Sure. You, you win, you win a few games. So then, okay, let's say the defense plays well, then you keep loose. You still have a top two pick. Cause it's Carolinas. You get a quarterback yep. and then you get whomever. And then the defense is probably going to continue to do better because it did the second half with loose and, Sweat and these new weapons are healthy. Are you confident in Fluce's second shot at hiring an offensive coordinator? Um, do you think he's the only one in that decision? I think he's getting the most of the decision. If if not, I mean, you'd fire him, right? Like, I mean, how can you be confident when two staff members are fired for PR stuff? At this yeah, point? I'm. I, thank you for asking that question because I'm with you, Nick. Like what you just laid out is a perfectly viable way that the Bears get better than uh, three and seven, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. It is the NFL really wants teams to be better than three and seven, so it doesn't take much to push no. you over the edge. The problem for me is that so long as flu stays, then you're not going to change the way that the org thinks like right now is a defensive ball control. They wanted a Shanahan style offense. You wouldn't hand Drake May to Luke Getzey, would you? Uh, no. Well, also, but let's think about this too. So we've been in this row before where you have the head coach. seems like it's a lame duck head coach for one more year. And then you have to hire an OC and who wants to go there for right. one year. Right. No security. Not really much promotion opportunity either. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Like, I promise 
I'll come around and cheer for whatever happens. I ultimately want the Bears to win games. And that's, at the end of the day, what we all ought to be cheering for. Can, let me ask this, can Eberflus do anything the rest of this year for you to change your mind and believe in him? I don't know, man. What do you think? You talk there's first. Seven, there's seven games left. If they win five, I'm good. I'm okay, a make the playoffs. Yeah, I can dig that. Well, it's eight wins. You might not make it in with eight, but you could. But you very well might. And I'll tell you right now, I'm just extremely disappointed in the way that the season has gone to this point. Because the problem that I have, Nick, is so coaches, we've talked about, you and I have talked about this a lot over the last couple of podcasts. Coaches, the, the, the job description asks you to be delusionally positive. The only way that you're able to p- get prepared for a football game of the NF, like uh, for as physical a sport as football is, it's impossible to get prepared for a game where you think you're going to get waxed. You think, worst case scenario, you're going to get on the field and find a way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's the coach's credo. And yep. I can't help but look at this team that did fumble away the game against the Vikings, that did fumble away the game against the Broncos that did fumble away the game against the Saints. I mean, they got four chances to tie the game against the Saints in the fourth quarter. That I've never seen this before, Nick, that a team gets not one, not two, not three, but four chances to do it. And all of them, every time they failed, they handed a short field to the other team who managed to not increase the score deficit, which was unbelievable. It was wild. And none of that factors in a Green Bay game that never should have gone down the way that it did or a Buccaneers game where we could say, not that it's true, but we could say, Nick, that that game was 20-17 to with the Bears having the ball right there at the end and then they scored on themselves. Like, I can name you five games where I would argue an inspiring coaching staff should have just taken two of them. You know what I'm saying? Like. Three is how how much is it to ask when we're watching Bobby Slowick and D'Amico Ryans and a Texans team that I actually don't think has the talent the Bears do win way more games against, I think, a tougher schedule. Like look, look, look. they lost to Carolina last week. And they, they totally did. Weeks. But they beat they beat the Buccaneers last week. Scored mm-hmm. 40 on them. Yep, that was awesome. So I'm I'm just saying like the, it goes totally up and right. down. The Bears, <clears throat> the Bears it seemed like they're they're finding ways to lose instead of finding ways to win. So I agree right. with you, but I'm just saying like, there is this up and down thing. Like, like the defense has played better. Five of the last six totally games have been 24 totally less am. points allowed. Even if it's, I mean, Kirk Cousins only had 19 points on Chicago. He's not a bad quarterback. And Sam Howell's point. played better lately. He had 20 in that Thursday night game. And to your point, down. Bears have seven games left for yep. them to win. Five would take a serious pivot. Like, this isn't eking one out against Detroit, everybody getting excited, losing the next four, and then beating the Falcons and losing to the Packers and calling it a good season. That's not what you're saying, right? You're saying saying they beat the Lions. Honestly, it probably starts with a win over, like a win in Motown, right? And then they go to the Vikings and they pick off a team without a quarterback. And then maybe, or like maybe they lose at home against the Lions because they just had two, two up, one down. But then they beat the Browns and then they beat the or they beat the like maybe they lose the Browns, but they beat the Cardinals. They beat the Falcons. They beat the Packers. Now you have a shot at the playoffs. There you go. And in that case, 
yes, something will have had to happen. Somebody's got to be playing well on offense. Right. How, how did it feel when you said that? Like they win those games. Did you believe it inside at all? A little I, bit? I don't. Here's my problem. I came out of the Raiders game thinking, oh my gosh, we talked about this. This, this line, nine and a half point line against the Chargers, this is way too high. This game's going to be way closer than that. It wasn't even near that close. <laughs> well, I because when I put my score prediction, I thought I was going to see first half of the Saints Tyson Bayesian. I didn't see him. I didn't see him the whole game, basically. No. no. So, so does so so does that mean if it if it's if it's Raiders, Chargers? Oh, sorry. Saints. Saints for part of it. Panthers. That means that means next week. Let's get optimistic, Robert. Next week. Well, We're doing it. it's not Bajit though. So now it's Fields, right? And they and his, and his last game, Vikings down. But oh. he goes, he goes two and then two. And, <laughs> but anyways, come back and be an optimist, Robert. Come on. All joke, all jokes aside. Well, that's the thing. I am an optimist. I'm just like now really forward thinking optimist. If that makes sense, it's like I, I, I there. I don't think there's any way Chicago loses. No, not really. Not really. Uh, the only way they lose is if they um, if they just repeat history, to be honest with you. Like, yep, but but then but then you're that's assuming like they be, turn into Trubisky or Fields again. Like that's third time's a charm, baby. I'm, yes. I'm staying optimistic. I, I don't think there's any reason not to be. My mm-hmm. favorite part about this is like you're talking about. I mean, you get two really good players like in the world where the Bears do that thing that a lot of Bears fans have like kind of asked them to do. I don't think they should, but they pass our quarterback and instead they just take Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, or a trade down and then they take two sick players. Well, it would be hard to be like bad, bad <laughs> if yep. if you get two sick players, DJ especially Moore, if you get a trade. Marvin down. Harrison, Cole Komet, let's go. DJ Moore, Keon Coleman, an extra 2025 first round pick and also Joe Alt. How bad you going to be? Dude, dude, Keon Coleman is a freak. I agree with you. Like, we're gonna get two good players. Like, this is exciting. You could you could have Brian Schottenheimer come out of wherever he is and run the Bears offense. And how bad could it be? Actually, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna knock on wood for that. Because I've been watching the Falcons this year. <laughs> you can load your team to the gills with weaponry. What does he do? Not succeed. He, sh- he shaved the mustache. Maybe it's gonna be a different Arthur Smith this week. Maybe, maybe. But Moreover, so upbeat, the Bears, the, so for instance, one more, one more rephrasation of what you've already heard. So the Bear or the Panthers have a worse strength of schedule than the Patriots and the Giants. After the, the, the Panthers lose to the Cowboys, they will need to go three and three to push Chicago out of a top two draft pick because the Pats and the Giants, if they just win one more game, they, they, they play each other. They will play each other. Yep. And so you sit here and you look at this Panthers layout, the runway, and God forbid Kyler Murray comes back and makes a difference because the Bears have a legitimate runway to number one and a very strong inroads to a top two pick, which could be franchise changing. But, I mean, well, and right now for people that don't know where they're at, like right now after tonight's game, the Bears win. And the Panthers lose. The Bears have picks one and five right now. Like the Bears winning and they're still top five. Right. 
It's it's awesome. I mean, and I'm not trying to be some draft position fiend, but also if you're gonna be, I'll say it one more time. This is this is my big finish, Nick. If you're not gonna be good, be bad. And the the foundation, the cake on this roster is starting to bake. Like mm-hmm. Montez Sweat plus some of these DBs, plus a little bit of magic from the linebackers, plus the offensive line, plus DJ Moore. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. If the Bears end up bad because they are losing from the quarterback position, so be it. It is all I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. not, I am not, I refuse to be one of these people that tries to paint Justin Fields as worse than he is because he's not, right? Like, can I be so real with you, Nick? Worst case scenario or most realistic scenario, I think Justin Fields is clear cut a top 32 NFL quarterback. Duh. But like probably 20th best. And why are we moaning about it? Because he's not top 10 in a position where the Bears have a shot at a top two quarterback. Right. No, I, yeah, I, I'd put him like 15 to 20 because again, like sure. Cause because of the running and yeah, I mean, is he always gonna have high stack percentages? Yes. Is he always gonna have higher interceptions? I don't know. It has been so far, but we'll see. It. Yeah, it's, it's um, sort of all over the place. But like it's gonna be his play's gonna be up and down. That's that's who he is right now. I mean, it could iron out, it could stay the same, but like he's not he's not Jordan Love. No, he's not. I mean, he's not Desmond Ritter. He's not, you know, you can go through like, it can get a lot worse. And so like, no matter like, let's how, say, yeah. let's, let's say this, let's say they do finish out and there's eight wins and they have pick. I'm looking right now, like 17 for their own pick and the Panthers win a few games, whatever. And they're like three or four. We're, st- we're still going to get two good players. We're still going to get two good players. And at the end of the day, the bears will I mean, kind of control their own destiny. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. they'll they'll have all the cards, so to speak, and they can make all kinds of decisions that could change everything about this franchise, which is awesome. I see that as awesome, anyways. And so, if they if they don't if they don't lose games because of the quarterback position, then the Bears probably found something at quarterback, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So. I can't help but come away with from this game and I sit here like, okay, the stage is set, Nick. The rest of the, like, come what may for the rest of the schedule, we've got a really good setup for a finish that we're going to end up liking one way or another. Because if this team, let's put it this way, Nick, if this team can't even compete with the Lions, well then, yeah, they're probably not winning six games, right? Like, yep. At this stage, if this team looks like the team that only barely eked out a win against the Panthers at home, then it's going to be a struggle. Well, the, a if, if that's the case, then you're losing your next four games. Because if you lose to the Lions, you're going to lose to at Minnesota, you're going to lose home against the Lions, and you're going to lose at Cleveland. And at that point, you're three and eleven. Yep. And, and then it's then then it's done. And, so pretty much. Um, recapping. Bears win we're excited about it there are good parts there are bad parts but we won and we did what we needed to do i'm excited about it hopefully justin fields is back for the next game because we want to see that bajant we're we're glad he got some experience he's got four starts under his belt he's a high quality backup guy and he could develop more as a udfa rookie he's doing pretty well for for that what that is there are young guys that have 
flashed. You, you mentioned Dexter. I mean, Pickens had one good bull rush today. Kyler Gordon, et cetera. We need more from Brisker. But I'm excited. I'm going to be pumped tomorrow. It's going to be a great Friday. And we're just going to cheer for some of these other draft picks. And as always, the Packers to lose. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you guys, everybody, for watching, listening, however else you take in this podcast. Please give us a decent review on any listening platform. We will appreciate every single one of them. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down. Enjoy your weekend of football without any stress and on top of a Bears win. And thanks so much for bearing with us. 